I think, you know, he kind of eliminated a little bit of his toe tap, a little bit more of a traditional gather, kind of freed him up a little bit in terms of uh, just being able to use his athleticism and swing and um, swung of the right pitches as well. All right, there aren't a lot of people in Toronto who can take a bow this morning. Leafs certainly can't, although they're still going to win the series in five games. Uh. Jays certainly can't. They lost 7-6 to the Red Sox yesterday at Fenway Park, three in a row matching a season-long long losing streak. Bullpen's a bit of a tire fire right now. Seven earned runs Ooh. in the last three games. Playing good teams. The 14 hits over 11 innings. And uh, it's kind of like bullpen jeopardy right now for John Schneider. Spin the wheel, Johnny. See where it lands. But Pockets. one person who can... Pockets. <laughs> but one person who can take a bow is the gentleman Dalton sitting Marshall. to my left. left, which is the right in your TV screen. Hi, Mom, by the way. Which is the right in your TV screen. Because Kevin Barker single-handedly corrected Dalton Varsho's swing. Now, it only took him... Five weeks to do it. Five weeks uh, of saying the same day. Da- to be fair to you, three weeks of saying the same damn thing because we gave him that runway coming out sure. of spring training. Absolutely. So the highlight yesterday, as far as I can tell, one of two highlights for the Blue Jays was Dalton Varshall's three-run home run. Explain. Well, we heard John Schneider talk about it. So, Kevin, explain to me what he's done. In other words, what the change is, mm-hmm. explain to me what it does for him. Yep. And also, can you compare it to the change Matt Chapman made? No. It's two different, two different, okay. two different things. Okay. They're, they're both sort of the same exact thing. You're trying to get out of both of them what they're trying to Fine. both get out of them, okay. which is... A continual flow, right? You don't want to start something. You don't want to stop it. You don't want to start it again. These guys throw hard. They throw a lot of secondary pitches. They tunnel those pitches off of that. It's very hard to have barrel awareness and keep the barrel in the hitting zone a long time if you're starting, stopping, starting again. I, you could you can almost argue that he's about twenty five at best too long too late. Okay, you could you could argue that. All right, but it's better late than never. I I will say now it's a continual flow, right? It's yeah. Okay, explain it's, explain well, exactly I, what he's done. I well he has just added a little leg kick. Yesterday it was everybody knows the first hundred and some change at bats. Hundred and two, I think you said. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was he had eleven or twelve walks. He can add those plate appearances to that. So you're looking at about hundred and twenty at bats, right? Where he's walking to the plate and he's right. doing stride separation where. He starts his little wiggle with his hands. He eliminates his lower half early. He gets his foot down really quick. As soon as that guy goes in this windup, he's already started his little movement. He gets his front foot down. He's waiting for the ball. When I wait for the ball, a lot of the times I play catch up. I get the windmill look. This. And he's a straight up and down guy. He's not a bent knee front uh, knees guy where his eyes are a little bit closer to the strike zone. He's not that he's a straight up and down guy. Just cause he's no, he's a little shorter in stature. You, you know, the lower you are, the tougher it would be to hit East and West. That's why he's a little bit taller. So he's just now the flow of his swing now is that's, that's the whole point is he's good at swinging at strikes. That's, that wasn't his issue. Like everything that for the most part that he was swinging at are strikes. It's just he, because of the way they they were pitching him, because of the way his lower half was, and because some khakis were sitting over there going, hey, can you see his barrel? It's real easy. 
You don't have to do a ton to him. Just elevate it. Throw it above the belt. See if he can catch up to it. Well, he can't. And it looked like it looked for the first hundred and some change at bats. Now, all of a sudden, because of his bat path, and he can drive down and through it, and he can use his bottom hand as his steering wheel because his lower half has, you know, a little bit more fluidity to it where it's just I'm picking it up, I get my good separation, I'm in an athletic position, and it's sort of a split second. It's not a stop, wait, start again. Can't do that. Like, there's a handful of people in the big leagues. Paul Goldschmidt does that. If you notice, last year he won an MVP. Mm-hmm. The handful of dudes can do that. And you got to be just crazy strong. I'm not saying Dalton's not. But you got to have tremendous hands and know where your barrel is always at. You got to know where to start your hands, whether it's higher, whether it's low. Like, you got to know a lot of things. And I just don't think Dalton's there right now. And this gives him better length. In the strike zone, it'll keep it in there longer, flatter, which is sort of what you saw yesterday. You saw that fastball that he hit. That's a good pitch to hit. Mm -hmm. Those are pitches a big leaguer hitting in the middle of the order has to most of the time, if not all the time, hammer. Now, just look to me. Yesterday, did it look like he was thinking about anything? Nope. That's the whole whole point. Even that first at bat. When you, you texted me in the first at bat, the very first time the pitcher released the baseball, I saw it. Yeah. I was like, there you go. Yeah, he looked, he looked uh he looked really comfortable. He, he doubled before the home run. That looked good as well. Um let's stick with the lineup for a bit here. Uh Vladdy Jr., a two-run single after the after the Red Sox pitched around Bo Bichette to get to him with the bases loaded. They should. They should I mean they should. Yeah. Bit of a message, though. Is it? Well, it's a message as to where yeah. The, the, the opposing manager will tell you who he thinks is the best hitter in the lineup right now. And the Boston Red Sox made a decision to not go after Bo. Yeah, he's not speaking out of turn, though. No. no he's not. But that's just... It's true. It's, true. I, I, it's still... It, and it happens to other... I mean, look, it happens to great players who go in slumps in that. But, but it's just... It's jarring because he's not really in a slump. It's just that he hasn't done as much as we think he should do. I don't think he's changed a game with a swing. Maybe he has earlier in the year. He got a big hit yesterday. He got a big hit yesterday. Yeah. But I just find it jarring to see, and maybe because it's Fenway Park, where he has hit well. He has hit well at Fenway Park. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because it was at Fenway Park. You know, games against the Red Sox doesn't matter what time of the year they are. They're significant. And that was kind of like slap in the face, man. Yeah, it I really know, was. I don't know if I look at it that way. You, you know, if you're a manager sitting over there, would you, you look, look at, at that way if you were here? Let no, me ask you: if you, so. if you were Vlad, would you look at it that way? No, I, obviously you'd want to do damage. You'd sure, want, you'd but, want to show them that I can do. You know what you don't think I can do. But when you're the in the on deck circle, you're not seething, are you? In the on nah, deck circle, I mean, what's that do? That makes you. That makes you grip the bat tighter. Makes you that, a seether. That, that makes you. That makes you a, a lot of the times chase pitches that you don't want to chase. He does that a lot. Right. Like, he chases in off the plate a lot, away off the plate a lot. Like, it's, it's I mean, it, that that just by looking at his numbers will tell you how good of a hitter he is because in big situations, a lot of the times you want to attack a guy that uh, can get himself out, that you don't always have to make the perfect pitch. And I think Alex Cora is telling him that, hey, look, when you're – getting them on the plate like he did last night. The ball that he hit the right field was on the plate. The ball he hit up the middle for the two-run the two single, 
on the plate. Mm. He gets the ball on the plate. He destroys baseballs. If he doesn't, his swing looks like it's late, looks like it's early, doesn't look right. It's right now, it's not his mechanics. It's not all those things that take him place before the ball actually gets in the hitting zone because he is what he is when it comes to that. He doesn't have a two-strike approach. He's not going to choke up. He's not going to stride separate. All those fluition things that take place before the ball actually gets to the point of contact is what it is. Now, because everybody knows how good of a hitter he is and knows that he does have a little weakness when it comes to situation, he'll expand. He'll get bigger. The plate will get wider because he wants to do things. Mm -hmm. He's an aircraft carrier. Like, he wants to do something special for his team. And I think that, for me, is what Alex is telling him without telling him. And good for him. He went up. He got a good pitch to hit. He didn't miss it when he got it. Let's talk about the pitching. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. But, 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 go ahead, wait, go, wait, ahead. Wait, wait, go ahead. You're missing one guy here. Okay. The leadoff hitter for the Blue Jays. You wanted to talk lineup. But he hasn't done dick. Can you say that? I just did. <laughs> I don't no, I mean, he can. hasn't done anything. He hasn't <laughs> done that. anything. So I, what are we going to talk about? He hasn't, good, he, hasn't, he hasn't done anything. That's a, gra- that's a great point. That's a great point. We'll, okay, yeah, I'm sorry we'll, I said we'll that we'll word, by the him. way. I'm, we'll no, let me, no, let me apologize. I am. We'll, I can, save, we'll save him for... for uh, I'm Siddle. sorry, Siddle I apologize. Will be on later. We'll talk about George Springer when Siddle comes mm-hmm. on. He's a catcher. How you'd pitch to him? Kids are listening. If kids are listening. Don't ever say that word unless it's a name and you're calling. You know, unless it's like Richard. Richard. Uh, anyhow, yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. So we won't talk about Springer. You can move on. I'll talk to Joe about Springer. Okay. Yeah. Because I just don't. I mean, whatever. What's there to say? <clears throat> what is there to say about George Springer? Just a theme. Is there something he's seeing that he could change? That would make him a little bit better to help this team. I mean, again, you're talking about those. Once you get somewhere around the 100 at bat range, mm-hmm. it's now starting to, you should round into it's, form to where you're hitting the balls you're supposed to be hitting hard. It's weird. I, not. I, I put him in. It's just odd. I put him in a I don't worry category. I, I just don't. Uh, as long as he's, here's the thing with George Springer. And I, you know what I'm going to say. As long as he's healthy, I at the end of the year, the numbers are going to be normally. There, as I long would as he's say that, but the way the lefties have looked in this lineup, he now all of a sudden is a big okay. piece to this thing. He's going to have to do his part. Okay. Do you want to talk about that, or do you want to wait oh, no, until I'll Siddle joins? Okay. Yeah, and I'll just leave the room. Wow. Don't seem like you have a ton to offer when it comes to that. It's spring right on. I'm just so, not, not. I mean, I'm not worried about that. Great analysis you just gave. So we had we, we had we had, we had a guy. About him. We had a guy okay. call. We had a guy call up in a Blue Jays talk last night and said, "Move him into the cleanup spot." I mean, we can't move everybody into the cleanup spot. And your point was, okay, what does that do? Yeah, barrel percentage is down. I'm, this is my inner khaki here. Woo. Barrel percentage is but, down. Ladies Exit and gentlemen, we are down. seeing the cacification. <laughs> the cacification. You've been forever to use that word. Oh, Kevin Barker. I have. <laughs> the hard, the oh, you're hard, just wearing jeans The hard hit percentage is way down. Those are three things that sort of when you're looking at hitters, that would be the first things you would look at. And right now, those things he's not doing very well that need to be get, get a little bit better. He's a very straight up and down guy. Eyes are really far away from the strike zone. His stride, a lot of the times, is long. Sometimes his barrel plays catch-up. Those are things. Right? We talk about Whit Merrifield. What was the difference in Whit the first two weeks of the season to now? 
His stride is shorter. I think he's playing every he day said, makes a difference, that, that too, doesn't does, it? But you earn it. You had to earn yeah, it. You no, had to go out and get it. That's you had right. to be too right. wit to yeah. play every day. John, come on this show and said that. Yep. So there's a reason. It just didn't. He just didn't fall out of bed and all of a sudden start getting hits. No, there's oh. a reason for it. His stride was is a little shorter. He's a little taller. His barrel direction's a lot better. He can get to more parts of the strike zone, which is his strength. I think that's sort of what you see with Springer. Am I worried? Probably not. But we can talk about it with Siddle. Yeah. I'll let you it's guys. It's a topic. It's I'll a let topic. you guys have it's that. It's a topic. Let's talk about pitching. Let's talk about Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, 5-3 ball counts last night. You pointed that out. You talked about on, on Blue Jays talk. You made an interesting point about his struggles last night in swing counts. And I wanted you to expand on that because it's 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 very... It's it's very important because it's there, a lot of this game is timing, right? I mean that's captain obvious, but a lot of this game is timing. A lot of it is luck. A lot of it is when you do what you do. And as you pointed out last night in Blue Jays talk, um, you say Kikuchi wasn't very good when you need him to be good last night. Yeah, it's it's the pitcher wants to be in a positive count, a head in the count, a hitter, no difference. Like he wants that pitcher behind the count. Now all of a sudden, I can make a more educated guess. Not everybody can let ninety-eight travel, right? You can't. But I can. I got a better chance of hitting it if I can get one of those counts and take an educated guess on if I'm going to get it in a certain location where I can sort of gear up for it, put my A swing on it, barrel it because I'm a good hitter. I'm a big mm-hmm. league hitter. It'll go where I want it to go. So swing counts: three, two, one, one. 2-0, in the big leagues is one. Yep. 3-0 is one because of how much they use the secondary pitches. All of those are counts that he gave up hits on. Those are the counts he has to be better. Look to me like last night. Again, I want to say this. He's the, he's the number five starter for the Blue Jays for a reason. I mean, I think we don't, we, we can't forget that. Like, this is probably the way against a good lineup. They are a good lineup. You mm-hmm. can say that now. Yeah. They are a good lineup. This is probably the way your number five should look against a good lineup. Just is. It's a battle. A battle that give you a chance lay, to win. That's Dan Shulman said it yesterday. He labored through it. That's probably the way a number five should look, right? He's got good velocity occasionally when he needed a strikeout because the catcher's having a good year calling games. You could probably get one, but it's those counts. Mm-hmm. To a good hitter, no matter if he's lefty or righty, so what that did, he has to make better pitches than he made last. All right, time. I was going to ask you. So that's a matter of picks. Picks. That's a matter of pitch execution as, no as opposed to pitch selection. From your point of view, it right? is. It is like like last night is the is the 91, 90, 91, 92, a slider or a cutter? I mean, we, the cutter. Yeah. Is the 85, 86, 87, 88 a cutter or a slider? Slider. slider. Is the 88, 89, 90 a split change? It's a split change. Like his secondary pitches are basically, when it comes to velocity, are all bunched together. There's not a real big separation. And the movement on the slider all the time, the cutter is, I don't even know what, it's a security blanket is basically what it is. I mean, you make, I said this at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you make all those changes, you can have your cutter. Just try not to abuse it, which he's not because Danny's calling a game. He's not doing as much, but he'll go to it. That's what the 90, 91 is. The slider, the velocity for me on the fastball is much better. Like Devers, he basically said, here it is, if you can hit it. He had all the fastballs he threw. I mean, you could do an entire show on Rafael Devers versus, you say, Kikuchi last night. Three fly balls, 
<laughs> six fastballs in the first at bat, eight fastballs out of nine pitches in the second at bat, four fastballs out of five pitches in the third at bat. So that's what that's we're talking. Do some quick math here, Blair. 14, 19 pitches. We're talking 18 and 19 pitches fastballs. That can't be right. That's close. Yeah. 18 and 19 pitches fastballs. Yeah. 17 or 19. That's the book on Devers. Elevated heater. Got a little hitch in his swing. He has a tough time getting the hands back up to be leveled out his swing enough to catch up to velocity. That's hard to imagine the Red Sox winning a game 7-6 and you shut down Rafael Devers. Just goes to show you how long their lineup is. and a whole bunch of Connor Wong happening yesterday. I mean, those are two Fenway Park homers, but who cares, right? Don't throw it down the middle. And the Zach Pop sinker, it just ain't been sinking. (laughs) And when it don't sink, and the slider. And I said this to you yesterday on Jay's Talk. I'm going to ask you a question. Left-handed good hitter. You're letting Zach Pop face him? Are you, are you really realistic? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not afraid of him going righty on righty. I think the sinker will play enough. Kevin, you know what? The only, this, the only pitcher right now I'm comfortable. The only reliever I should say right now that I'm comfortable seeing against a lefty is Swanson and, and Romano. Tim Mays has been I mean, I'm leaving too. Romano give, give, to the give side. Him give him credit. I don't trust him. pretty good. You trust Tim Mesa? When it's 94, I do. Yeah. Is it going to be 94 tonight has, or tomorrow? Has been the last couple outings. All right. So, so I'll, I'll be in his camp. All right. I'll 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 throw it in there. Play, although play, playoff I'll, playoffs? No. Mm-hmm. I've seen that act in the playoffs. I, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Like I, I'm a fan of Tim Mesa. He's a really good dude. Yeah. I'd rather hear, I'd rather have Swanson against a really good left-handed pitcher or yeah. hitter. No, that's I'm, me. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. you. It's a that again. I I think for me anyway, the last couple of days is more about the lineup for the Red Sox than it is the pitching of the Blue Jays. That's just me with who the starters have been for the Blue Jays. With sort of there's some unknowns for whatever reason about who John can use now yeah. out of the pen, which is odd. Well, we talked about it yesterday. It's odd because this is the least used bullpen in baseball in terms of innings. No, let me rephrase that. That's not true. But it's it's certainly not been abused because the Jays coming into this month yeah. had more innings out of their starting pitchers than any other team. So you can't sit there and but go. But I will say it's about appearances back to back, right? It's the it's yeah. the yeah. it's the how many they've how many appearances they've made up until this point. It's the schedule. It's it's like a player, right? It's like Vladdy playing that road trip game the next day he usually dh's it a pitcher out of the pen is no different once you once you reach a certain number you got to give some dudes some days off and then you're at you're then you're putting some guys in some spots that you may not want to put them in and i think this is sort of what you're seeing here is he's trying to piece it together and this gets back to my point that i made at the beginning of the season where the rotation will take this team where they're going to go period end of story all right so uh it is alec manoa on the mound tonight uh, for the Jays and well, Alec Manoa and Alex Verdugo. I mean, Alex Alex Verdugo made a comment on, on to Rob Bradford, uh, and uh, on his on Rob Bradford's podcast, and this was earlier in the year. Um, and Lance, just play if you could replay Al, Al, Alex Verdugo's comments about Alec Manoa. Like, I'll say it right now, I think Alec Manoa goes about it the wrong way. Uh, you know what I mean? I, 100%. I think he does. You can find videos, footage of him in the AAA, of AAA going like this to hitters. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, last year, telling uh, Frenchie and Bobby, like, like uh, go sit.
like that. And it's just like, and looking right at them. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like that, like that just pisses me off. And like I said, it's not, it's not, it's not the way it should be played. It should be played like you're celebrating it with your team. You're not, you're not disrespecting another player who's, you know, at the end of the day, just, we're just trying to compete, man. That's right. it. Okay. That was uh, Alec Verdugo earlier this year. And Alec Manoa kind of responded by going, eh. Well, yesterday, Verdugo, well, he said he didn't take back his comments, but he kind of did. He started by saying, it's not necessarily that I take back what I said because he's good, man. When you're good like that, you don't need to do some of the other stuff that he does sometimes. We've had some bad blood here and there. There are times when I felt like it was just a little too much in crossing the line. I talked to a lot of Blue Jays, a lot of guys in general, who all see, all say he's a good teammate, a good guy. Just when he's on the field, he's a different person with a different mindset out there. Part of me, I can respect that, and I understand that's what he might, might need to do to get amped up. At the same time, this game is hard, man. This game will humble you. There are a lot of things, and I feel like if you go about it more the right way, you're going to get more respect, not only from fans, but from opposing players. So, Anything wrong with that? No, no, there's nothing wrong with it at all. In this day and age, that constitutes walking back a comment. Because generally, the only way, by by expanding, you're walking back the comment. You know how you don't walk back the comment? Say, I'm not talking about it. Absolutely. I said what I said. Is your mind changed? I said I'm not talking about it. We'll see what happens on the field. Ooh. Uh, he also went on to say that he didn't care if Manoa threw it. And I did like this quote because, quote, getting hit is just on base percentage. So there you go. And uh, which, which is good. That's, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, it, you know, look, Alec. I would hope Alec Manoa realizes that he's got bigger things in front of him right now than Alex Verdugo. You know, Alec Manoa, what Alec Manoa needs to do tonight is give this team as close to seven innings as he possibly can. That's what he needs to do tonight. At least from my point of view, because if you can get that out of him and you've got Gossman going tomorrow, maybe you can kind of write that bullpen. And Kevin, tell the folks about the J schedule, because they've got a couple of days coming off, uh, days off coming up, right? But he just... Tell the folks to get this, this. It would be a good time to get your bullpen ducks lined up. Yeah, Let's not, just put not, it that not way. Not including the next two, next two games a- after the series with the Red Sox. The next forty-one games. Yeah. For the Blue Jays. The next forty-one. Okay. Pittsburgh for three, Philly for two, Atlanta for three, Yankees for four, Baltimore for three. Tampa for four, Minnesota for three, Milwaukee for three, the Mets for three, the Astros for four, Minnesota for three, Baltimore for three, Texas for three. Like that's about as real as is this going to get all year. So to not even point, a, not even an athletic to, series dropped in there to just your, to lighten the load. To your the point, load. they're going to have to do a lot of things right. It starts with do stand on the mound, and I just get back to that. Hitters are slugging. 760 Oof. off of Manoa's slider. The, so the the thing that he should worry about the least is what Verdugo has said about him off the field. Uh, if I'm going, and I'm sure he will, I'm sure they're having enough conversations to say, dude, figure out how to go arm side with a four samer. Hopefully the sinker's working. Hopefully when you throw the front hip sinker to a lefty, because you'll probably get six of them tonight, needs to be really good. Like don't miss down the middle. Worry more about that. Than what dude's saying about you. If 
and I'm sure he will. Like, they're going to have enough conversations off the field to make sure that everything's lined up, and and they understand how important this is. They've gotten beat by a team, quite frankly, that they shouldn't be getting beat by. Well, going going into the season, going into the season with the way the rotation for the Red Sox has been, and you didn't get Chris Sale the first two games. Yes or no? Yeah, but we've... This is a big game. We've also talked... tomorrow's a big game. We've also talked about the Red Sox lineup, though, that we didn't didn't give the Red Sox lineup. I I admit, I put my hand up here. I did not give the the Red Sox lineup enough credit. I'm with you. Better lineup than the Yankees lineup. Absolutely, not a question. Well, I mean, especially with Stanton, yeah. But even... I've got to tell you, if if Judge is back and Stanton isn't back, I still might take the Red Sox lineup right now. The Red Sox best hitters are left-handed. They face a lot of right-handed yep. pitchers. <laughs> yep. Yeah, a lot of which a lot of the times eliminates the slider. This is why I mentioned the slugging against Manoa's slider is seven sixty. You got a bunch of lefties. How do you get them out? Is it the four seamer? I mean, he's four seam change up heavy against lefties. That means the change up has to be better. That means the backdoor slider to the lefty has to be better. That means if you do throw the two seamer at the front hip to the lefty, has to be borderline great. Can't be okay because you miss there. They're real good at hitting that hard somewhere. So it'd be interesting to see how he handles this, how he attacks it. Right there, he's going to get some really good hitters out the gate. We've got a fun show for you today. Bob Kendrick is president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum uh, in Kansas City, uh, and they made an announcement yesterday along with Major League Baseball the uh, significant uh, financial contribution that, that, that we'll, that we'll them. see them build. Uh, build a new facility, and I'm I'm really happy because when the Jays are in Kansas City, I had uh, a couple of folks DM me about because they'd heard me talk about how much I love going to Kansas City, and they were making the trip, and I suggested they go to the Negro Leagues Museum, and and a couple of them that went took their kids, and the one guy That's sent awesome, me a picture and said, it, "I never it was, been, I want to go." Yeah, it's it is it is the best, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob Kendrick's a terrific guy. And a terrific storyteller. He's been in the show several yes. times. He'll join us at 11.10. Darnell McDonald, Red Sox analyst, former teammate of How Kevin Barker's. That? How about that? He's a great dude, too. He uh, will join us. He's a uh, former MLB outfielder, now with Nesson. We'll take a look at the uh, remainder of the Jays series against the Red Sox. We've got Jays tickets to give away, as always. And when we come back, I'm going to let Joe Siddle and Kevin Barker break down George Springer. I'll probably just leave the room. Maybe go make a couple of phone calls. Maybe go get some toast uh, or a bagel or something like that. Maybe. Uh, Usually have toast before I go to bed. Old man, toast oh, and tea. warm milk. No, nobody, dude, nobody drinks warm milk. Like, seriously. Seriously. You don't. Warm milk and arrowroot right biscuits. No. Say I swear. No. When I'm, when I'm drinking warm milk, you just empty my drool bucket. Because that, that, that's basically when I'm drinking warm yeah. milk. That'll be I the state that I'm that. in. I promise you that. I'll Anyhow. call somebody for you. No, you don't need to. <laughs> Joe Siddle joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. What's the wrong with you? <laughs> Sportsnet 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's 
one too many producers around here right now. We got a lot to say, that's for sure. Oh, now the dude's uh, coming back in. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Azaparty, one of our producers, uh, is just hanging around. I don't know. He's wearing a hunting jacket. He is not. He's got a hunting vest on. The hell, have you been talking to him? I know you guys went out yesterday for lunch without asking, without inviting me. Huh. Which is really. And don't use the cure Ontario's out of the way excuse. You could have called me. I would have come. <laughs> Anyhow. Gee, see what you've done. I have. It's Blair and Barker. Today's Wednesday. There's two more games left in this four game series against the Boston Red Sox. Joe Siddle will have the call of those games along with Dan Schulman. And he and Kevin Barker are going to fix George Springer. Joe, go ahead. I'm leaving. Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Go ahead, Barker. You guys carry it on. I'm just. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really sure what you want me to say. But the. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Let's do this. The last. Here, I'll, I'll give you these numbers. You tell me if it matters or not. Nine for his last fifty-six. A buck sixty-one. Matter to you or no? Or you don't care? Yeah, George Springer. Well, I, I mean, obviously you care regardless of who it is. But I think when it's a player like George, you know that he's going to come out of it. And uh, I know we've we've talked extensively about some some tough luck and some hard contact we've seen lots of that too last night was not the case i'm not so sure he was healthy last night remember he had that little bug just the game and he was back in there last night but looked to me like last night he was still pretty run down you know this play in the outfield just not george springer like and um yeah the at-bats were just um you know george is george george is so so darn good but it's when you you know, pop up and roll over. It, it just looks bad, especially when you do it early in the count. And he's that kind of guy that sometimes, you know, he's got that, that, that leg kick and that load. And sometimes he can be a little quick and you, whether he's quick because he's trying to cheat. And when I say cheat, you know, that means Kev is just trying to get going a bit more. And uh, yeah, so uh, he's not a guy you really worry about, but you always look at numbers like that. Sure. Think, yeah, the reason is, is because you don't want that. You need, you need everything from your big boy. And uh, when you turn that lineup over, you know, with the Bowen and Vladdy Chapman thing going so well, you'd like George to get it rolling too. Especially with the way the lefties have been. And I will throw these two stats mm. at you. He's against the breaking ball, he's hitting a buck 90. Against off speed, he's hitting 176. That's sort of the two things, right? Is he adding and subtracting the lower half? It's like you said, looks like he's a little in a, in a hurry. He is a straight up and down guy. Straight up and down guys yeah. a lot of the times have big strides. When you have a big stride, that could lead to the 190, the 176. I'm not, a, I'm not worried about it, but when your lefties are the way they are, and you know, sometimes, sometimes you need other guys to step up, and that's sort of what it is. It's just a, you know, sometimes we I'm maybe make things out of something that's not there, but I think this is yeah. something they need to look at a little bit. That's all. Well, I, I think we'd all like to see a little bit more of Dalton Varsho like we saw last night, right? Sure. He did a little adjustment, and it, and it worked. And I'm not going to say it worked in one night. You know, you can make an adjustment, run into a couple, and it looks like a great night. We'll see. Let's let's give this a week of, of seeing him with a little bit of a leg kick going back to his, his normal kind of style. And that's a good indication because, my goodness, do you ever need him to get going, right? And you talked about the lefties. With Kiermaier at the bottom, you know, you're not expecting a whole lot. Just no. turn the lineup over and go play great center field, right? I think that was the expectation coming in. The Brandon Belt story is uh, it's it's a tough one, but other than that, so you've got Varsho in there. He 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 better be that left-handed bat, otherwise there's not a whole lot, and we're kind of getting back to the the Blue Jays of old, right? Just mm-hmm. just run the righties out there because they're the best hitters. Joe, I, look, I understand that uh, when it comes to a bullpen, things can change in the matter of a couple of days, and uh, yeah, I, I get that, that also because of what happened in the playoffs last year. 
the, the bullpen is going to be, it's always going to be a topic of, of conversation around here. And people still, I, I put my hand up and admit, you look at the velocity of this bullpen, it's pretty good, actually. It's way above major league average. But I think a lot of us still think that, okay, well, they still got a bunch of slop tossers. And all that aside, though, it bothers me a bit that a team that can come out of the first month of the season with the highest number of innings pitched from its starters is having issues trying to get its bullpen lined up right now. That concerns me a bit because these guys aren't overworked. I don't think they're overworked. And if I'm John Schneider right now, I don't, you know, who's in your circle of trust? Romano Swanson, maybe. Other than that, Pearson? Yeah, I I would say, Jeff, that they're not overworked when you look at the big body of work, the big picture. But when you look at that Seattle series, they were all close games. And you know what you need to do in close games? You need your big boys. That's true. The Romano and Swanson. So they got worked over a few days there. So what happens on Sunday is you don't have Romano and Swanson available. So you got to go to your secondary guys. We saw Richards, Garcia, Pop, that's right. And now they've been used. So then you come into Fenway Park on a Monday night and you've got your secondary guys were used yesterday. Your big guys were used a couple days in a row, just two days ago. You just get thin. And I think on a, it's really a daily thing. And I think tonight, finally, the Blue Jays should be in a pretty good spot because you got Romano and Swanson. Pearson pitched his two. He should be available again. You know, other than Mesa, who pitched two in a row, and Garcia, who's two out of three now, and probably Pop. But those... Like uh, to me, you've got your big boys, and you've got <laughs> you've got your big boy starting that needs to go six innings, like you expect from him, right? So it is. It's a daily thing, but I think anytime you play a few close games like they did against Seattle, it just kind of upset it because your your horses were used, and you have to go to your secondary guys, and now you get really thin. But they should be getting back to normal now. How close are you, Joe, to being okay with seeing Nate Pearson used in high leverage? Maybe not closing, mm-hmm. but higher leverage. I think I'm there. Uh, yeah. it, it's early. I still want to see what we saw the other night a few times. You know, he, he couldn't spin the ball the other night. I asked him about that. Mm-hmm. I said, was this your design going in to throw a lot of fastballs last night? And he said, I just didn't have the feel. And if you remember, he threw one slider and it just took off. Yep. And he tried to pick a couple curveballs and they weren't there. And that's not good because when you're facing good teams, good lineups, that if you don't have that secondary pitch, I've always said big league hitters can hit 100 if they know it's coming. So, that's what to me makes those guys so special is that when you have a secondary pitch that has to be in the hitter's head now, of course the 96 to hundred plays even more. So he's going to have to be able to be better spinning the baseball, whether it's the curveball or the slider. But I, I liked what I saw because he, he was kind of letting it eat. He came out of the bullpen. This is a classic case, right? Of a hard throwing starting pitcher that goes to the bullpen and you say, give me two innings of your hardest best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but no, you, we'll, we'll see more. We've got, we've got to see more. There's no question because if he comes out and does that and can't necessarily find the zone, you've got all kinds of trouble and you can't have that late in the game. If you're catching Manoa tonight, you see the lineup for the Red Sox got six lefties in it. How do you get them out? I would throw four seamers inside a little more than Alec does. Mm -hmm. He tends to like the four seamer up and out over the plate to lefties. And he'll try to use that sinker in similar to what we saw from Barrios. And it's a great pitch when you can front hip him and bring it back on that inside corner. But it's the most dangerous pitch in baseball. If it leaks right back over to the middle, like we saw Barrios do, and it's right to the barrel of the left-handed batter there. A lot of pitchers are righties are in love with this 
the two-seamer in there to bring it back. I like the four-seamer in there, but we just don't see it. And that could be something analytically that I don't know about in terms of left-handed hitters in the matchup against these guys. But I think you have to get inside there to keep these guys, the Verdugas, you're going to see Duran. This is a pretty good lineup. It guys. is. Yeah. I'm, wow. I, you know, I haven't been following the Sox closely enough, apparently, because I got here and I'm watching these two games. It's like, these are some good at-bats. Yeah, they we talked some about tough at-bats. They, yeah, you know. they gave Kikuchi fits last night because they weren't expanding. Yeah, and if you, you don't expand against Kikuchi, you got him in the driver's seat, right? Yeah, and if you look at, you know, we had Rob Bradford on at the start of the series, and he said, if you look at the Red Sox lineup, they do knock starting pitchers out early. I think at one point, I, I don't have the number, the game notes in front of me right now, but something like they had nine games where they'd knock the starter out in the, like, at four and a third innings or something like that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I admit, I looked at the Red Sox, thought pitching sucks, they're not going to be very good. But that lineup just wears you down. You know what they do, too? They'll, they'll take their walks, so they're fairly disciplined. They don't strike out a ton, and they've got power. Like, that's yeah. a great combination. Now, I know they play in Fenway Park, but, but man, right at the top, Verdugo's swinging it right now, and that Duran, we're going to see Duran tonight for sure. Mm-hmm. We're going to see all those lefties tonight against Manoa. And it's almost like, I, I thought last night, after the first game, I thought last night, this is advantage Kikuchi, right? They have to play four lefties. That's yeah. all they got on their bench. Yeah. They had to play all these. I should play right into his wheelhouse, and uh, he didn't necessarily do that. He was he was dominant against Devers with all the fastballs that he threw him, but between Yoshida and Verdugo, they give it fits. Joe, how about Manoa's slider? I think the hitters are slugging 760 off that thing. We've seen him try and backdoor it. We've seen him try a little 12-6 on it. What would you do if you're catching him? Well, if he's against the lefties, I could see some of the backdoor action. That that down and in is just a dangerous thing. If you're doing that to Verdugo and Yoshida and Durant, some of these guys we just mentioned, that's a dangerous pitch. I would I would think the changeup would be a better pitch for him, even though I know it's kind of his third wheel, you know, but mm-hmm. I think you have to stay soft out there and then come back in. The fastball in for me is going to be a critical, critical pitch. I just don't know if he's going to do it. And again, that's, that's not me knowing every hitter's profile and swing path and getting in depth like they have the information. But you have to, to me, keep left-handed hitters honest inside. And I think when you keep them honest inside... Now you just get them, you know, Kev, you're a lefty. Mm-hmm. If we're pounding the envelope and you're conscious of that heater in, then yes, maybe you're opening up or starting a little bit early to help now that maybe sinker away and change up away play. I think the slider away is fine at the, the little back door, but you got to be careful just flipping it in there. Because if you flip it in there, it comes back to the middle of the play. These guys will hammer it. Joe, how do you get Bo Bichette out consistently? You walk them like they did last night. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That constitutes hey, a walk. Um, yeah. Or, or an out. Legal, right? I yeah. mean, I said it on the air, guys. It sounded crazy, but I'm thinking I would load the bases here, put him on, and pitch to Vladdy. <laughs> and, you know, pick your poison, of course, but we were joking. Dan was t- joking about poking the bear, and it, they poked the bear, and Vladdy made them pay, which is great. That's what he needs to do. But I, I would have done the exact same thing the Red Sox did there. What was the fifth inning when I wasn't going to give him anything to hit? I said, mm-hmm. I'll take my chances with Vladdy. And that's how good Bo is right now, right? He just he can handle everything. You, you come inside. I would pitch him inside, guys. I would just I would pound him in and say, take your inside out single or double to right field because I don't think he's going to do damage on that as much. He'll do more of the damage when you leave an off speed pitch out over, and he'll 
get it out front and, and usually to the pole side or descender like that bombed me the other day. And, you know, it's funny because people always talk about protection as being the guy behind you. And, and I know that you played for Felipe Alou and one of Felipe's sort of thoughts is, you know what, protection can be the, is, is the guy in front of you. Not, I'm sorry, not necessarily the guy behind you. Sometimes the guy in front of you mm-hmm. is, is protection. And George Springer gets going. That's also got to help Bo because that, that's the thing that is to me is really remarkable about what Bo's done is the fact that he's had a guy behind in front of him who hasn't had a great start. He's had a guy behind him who's hitting the ball hard, but really hasn't done the damage that we thought he'd, he'd, he'd do. And, you know, and there's Bo with a five-hit game. Yeah, and when Springer does get going, we know that's when this lineup's rolling, when you get the whole top half. Yeah. And it's because they can do so much damage, right? And especially if it extends now, if Vars can get going. And even, you know, Kirk, he, hasn't, he's, he was really out of sorts last night. That didn't look good. And, uh, and Jano, the catching, you know, I thought they were both, there, there was a stretch there where we thought maybe both of them were kind of coming out of it, and it's kind of gone the other way again. And that hurts, right? They got a lot of production from behind the plate last year. So one would think they'll kick it in at some point, and, and Merrifield's been great. And one would think that Varsha will kick it in. So that's where that lineup becomes so much deeper that we're accustomed to seeing. But, uh, yeah, until it happens that, you know, Hulk was out there last night, gives up six runs in an inning, and you think the game's over because all you had to do is get to that Red Sox bullpen that was also spent, speaking of spent bullpens. But Cora threw him back out there in the six because he, he kind of had to. And, I mean, credit him. He goes back out there and he pitches another inning because that, that to me, was almost the turning point of the game because Cora had to throw him back out there. He just didn't have the firepower out of the bullpen. And then Winkowski comes back and pitches an inning last night for the save after he pitched two innings the night before. We haven't mentioned yet that Matt Chapman has been named American League Player of the Month. Um, how sustainable, not necessarily statistically, Joe, but how sustainable do you think this start will be for Matt? Is this is this a hot month? Is this a you know a classic heater, or do you think that Matt can, you know, continue it through the year to the point where he does something more than hit two thirty five or two forty or two forty five? Well, I think he'll do that for sure, but I don't know if anybody can, can sustain this. This is a great month, and uh, credit to him. He made some changes, and they worked, because I'll be the first in spring training. It was kind of like the bar show thing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you're watching these guys in spring training, and uh, you know, in, in terms of Chapman, I was kind of watching this little change that he's made, and it's kind of like he's kind of like got this little toe-tap gather thing, but it's, it still looks rushed to me, and it just didn't look right. And I'm, I'm actually thinking going into the season, I wonder how long he'll go with this thing. You know, do you go for a couple of weeks, and if it's not working, do you abort the plan and, and, and move on or go back to what you were doing? But it's it worked right from the beginning, and he's been very, very good. Um, you know, it, it, that's crazy to think he's going to put the numbers up like this all year, but he's built himself a nice pad, and there's nothing better than starting the season off well for a month because then you can kind of ride that out. You take a night like last night, you know, just mix in your knock here and there, one for four, and uh, that'll kind of keep you going. But I looked like they were they were pitching him in. I think in the last couple of days we've seen them pounding him in a little bit more, mm-hmm. and he actually expanded in there. So that's just kind of an interesting development too. Um, I've always said a hitter that's rolling – I would test him inside with the fastball yep. because most hitters that are rolling are looking out over the plate. They're handling everything. If you get going in there, like even a night like last night where they pounded him in and he knows that now. So tonight he's got to, I got to believe he's got to be thinking of that a little bit. And maybe that gets you leaking a little bit and that gets a hitter out of his, the role that he's on. So well, interesting to see how Pavetta faces him tonight. Joe, really good of you to do this, my friend. Great Thanks stuff, so buddy. much. Thank hey, you. how's the weather look in Boston today? Any issues? Looks pretty good. 
Okay. Actually, today looks better than the last two days because there was rain during the day, both each of the last two days. So it looks, looks much more clear today. I'm going to go out for my walk. I'll give you an update. Nice. There awesome. you do. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Be well. Joe Siddle, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. And uh, so he's not 710 is the first pitch tonight. Doesn't sound like? Hey, track record, man. You know, I, I got this. I've had this idea with George Springer. And I think what happens with George Springer. Shows up in September? Not, not even that. You know what I think it is? It's because mm. Jays fans, and I'm not, and, and I hate when people in the media say Jays fans instead of just saying, you know, I'm saying it, right? A lot of people say, you know, Jays fans feel this. No, I feel this way. So uh-huh. I feel this way. And I, and it's something I have to guard against, and I know other people feel this way as well. I think baseball fans in this city live in terminal fear of Vernon Wells' contract. And mm. because of Springer's age, because of the history of injuries, because we've seen here that there have been times where he had, you know, how many games do we expect George Springer to play this year? 125. 130. 130. All right. I mean, we just do. I think people subconsciously, and I have to guard against this. I look at that contract, even though I never look at contracts. I look at that contract. I look at the history. And I keep saying, I keep thinking, what if? Like, what if it just, what if it falls off the cliff? Uh-huh. What if he just runs out of, just runs out of steam and becomes just another guy? And I'm willing to bet a lot of people are like that. I'm willing to bet a lot of people look yeah. at things like that and say, boy, what if this is, you know, and then you get into the whole banging in the garbage can thing. Like Absolutely. how much of it, how much of what you signed was real? I'm just, this is what I'm going, I'm going through my head. Well, I'm not saying I think that way. He earned it. But I'm, you I'm, say I'm, it out loud. I'm, you know, it's going through my head. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think maybe that explains why people um, have that view of George. Last year, he played 133 games. He had 513 at bats. He hit 22 all. 22 doubles, 25 homers, 76 RBIs. Think you can do that again? Yeah. I think that's about the norm for him. I do. Got and, 116 and you know at what bats. Th- Got 116 at bats this year. Yeah, I think I think he can do that. Three homers, 10 RBIs. I think he can do Five that. Five stolen bases. And and you know what? I, I I also want George. I want George to play good defense, and I want him to show up in September, like the end of August, September, October. That's what I got George Springer for. Yeah, I think the league has made a little adjustment by throwing him a few more breaking balls. I do think that's a theme, right? That's why you see the breaking balls early in counts. You see the elevated fastball late in counts. He's guessing for the breaking ball. He's a guesser. That's what veteran guys you, do. You got to guess a little bit. The first pitch swing percentage is the same as it's always been. You know what? The out of zone swing percentage, man, I'm on it today, aren't well, I? But some of the it's stuff you were talking same. about, the barrel percentage, the exit velo, the hard hit percentage. is way down. That kind of worries me. It does. Because that gets to but it's 110 at best. And that gets to your are that gets to your strength. I mean, it you're, does, you're talking again, about how back, strong are it, you? It physically. does. It gets back to the breaking ball thing. What what do you do to older guys? You throw them fastballs. Doesn't seem like they're doing a, a lot of that. I mean, we saw a Bray who throws a bazillion miles an hour throw him six sliders yeah. in a row with the That's bases right. loaded. They're throwing the breaking ball for a reason. He is a good fastball hitter. He's not a great fastball hitter. He's a good fastball hitter. And that would suggest that it's not a matter of age or slowing I, I, down. I or... don't think they're giving him enough days off that he's going to be healthy enough. He'll be hand-eye coordination. Bat speed is good enough 
that September and hopefully in October, you see the George that everybody wants to see. But now I think because of the way the lefties got off to their start, this puts a little bit more pressure on him to maybe carry the team for a couple of games, three or four or five games. So, And we haven't seen that. I don't know. I'm not worried about it. But it does. Those numbers will catch your attention if you're in the organization. Uh, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum announced yesterday it has plans for a $25 million new home in Kansas City. They've already secured $1 million for construction of the new building um, from Bank of America. The bulk of funds are expected to come from private financiers. And uh, if you know anything about the Negro Leagues Museum, it, it really has become it's, it's become a it's become a must visit for not just for baseball fans. Not just for baseball fans, but for sports fans uh, in general. It is. I've been lucky enough to have gone a couple of times. It is. Um, it's. Just, it's. I mean, I'm. I'm not a big museum guy. I'm really not. But it is. Uh, it, it is something else. It, it, the only way I can describe it, it really is a walk back through history and the and the area of Kansas City. It's in um, a historic area. Uh, historic area, very important area uh, for African Americans uh, in terms of a, a you know vibrant business center for African Americans in Kansas City in the Midwest. Uh, it is a ter- terrific museum. Uh, they're starting a fundraising, shouldn't say fundraising, but they're starting a capital campaign now. The one million dollar grant came from the Bank of America to get it going, and uh, it's a terrific initiative. Bob Kendrick will join us. We'll talk about when we may see this open. Uh, we we'll, we'll talk about what baseball's involvement in this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about Kansas City Royals involvement. There is a chance, and this is really cool, and this will be tremendous. There is a chance that uh, the Kansas City Royals will build a new stadium in downtown Kansas City, and John Sherman, the owner of the Royals was quoted at this news conference yesterday saying, I think we want to pull this history into our stadium, wherever oh, it is. So if you could put, awesome. could you imagine that? If you could put the, the Negro league baseball museum, you know, ballpark. Oh, that'd be great. Or at least close to it. Anyhow, it's, it's an, it's an exciting time for Bob Kendrick. This has been a labor of love for him. Yeah. Uh, he's kept the flame burning for a long Absolutely. time. Absolutely. He will join us. We've got Jay's tickets to give away. Darnell McDonald, Red Sox analyst, joins us as well. So lots ahead. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The Fan 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Good grief. 710 is the first pitch tonight. Who the who the hell's pitching against Manoa tonight? I got it right here. Let it beat you. Oh, it always beats me. Nick Pavetta. There you go. Nick Pavetta against Alec Manoa tonight. Kevin Gossman against Brian Bayo uh tomorrow. So we'll be doing Blue Jays talk following the game tonight. Uh we will not be doing Blue Jays. Why, Jay Jeff? On Thursday. Talk on Thursday. Why, Jeff? Because uh, the Leafs, Leafs are going to no, the Leafs play on Thursday, and we'll have the game, and we'll be going to our, you know, we'll be focusing on the Leafs on the uh, uh, on the station as they beat sweeping five. 
They're going to beat, well, they'll beat Florida. My guess is it's going to be 5-2, 5-1. And, and then they'll go back to Florida, win two five games, two? and they'll wrap it up here. Probably. Oh, the score. Score, yeah. Jesus. I have no idea what you're talking about. They are on their way to a five-game sweep <laughs> of the Panthers. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's done. It's, it's baked. It's done. You're, you're not a great human, are you? Why? What? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm well, optimistic. Well, I'm optimistic. Are you? Are you? Are you? <laughs> Hell yeah. I got no. It doesn't matter <laughs> to you? me. doesn't matter to Who's me one way team? or another. Do you have a team? Uh, I do. Oh, the Jets. Well, they're one of them. And the other team, I'm, I'm embarrassed to even say that I was a fan of theirs because they've just been become such a steaming mess, moral mess. The Chicago Blackhawks. They won they're, forever. They're just, yeah, but they're just, they're, they're just bad. They, 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 you look back you at. You were a front runner? No, it's just you that, you know. You No, they it's have. Okay, say it. No, they've had a lot. Of, they've had a lot of issues. A lot of issues with dealing with, with sexual assault complaints and things. They're just, they're, they're just a messy organization. And, huh. and, and, the, and, and kind of all the stuff that's come out about the Blackhawks has kind of, kind of ruined it for me as a Blackhawks fan. But I still have my beloved Jetties. Mm. Anyhow, uh, we've got Blue Jays tickets to give away before Bob Kendrick joins us. Uh, we've been giving you a chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen to us on the podcast or on the radio. And all you have to do is text the correct answer to 590 That's it. Yesterday's question and answer was, this Oriole had eight career Grand Slams, including two in one game against Cleveland in August 1998. Never the answer to. was Chris Hoyles wouldn't have gotten it. Nope. So I was thinking Brady Anderson, but it was Chris Hoyles. I was too. Brady? That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Eight of. career, you know, I mean, anyhow, <laughs> eight career Grand Slams, including two in one game against Cleveland in August 1998. Today's, today's question Lance Kennedy really. I did. I, I, should, I should know this because I played with this guy. Yeah, and, and I and we both I'm a love, terrible teammate. And we both love this dude, but I would not That's have gotten a stretch. Him. Oh, we like him. I love. Well, we like Speak him. Speak for yourself. He, he's a good. He was a love, nice. Love strong. Ah, uh, he was a real good. He's a really good person. Like he's a. Anyhow, today's question yeah. to win tickets to Jay's Brewers. I mean, you got to. There's okay. nothing wrong with loving. I, uh, loving an individual. Don't speak for me. You understand? Today's question to win tickets to see the Jays and Brewers down yeah. at the Rogers Wait, Center on May 30th. He speaks for me a lot. Well, yeah, I have I, to. Well, you, no, you don't. Anyhow, today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Brewers down at the Rogers Center on May 30th. Ooh, that'd be, that should be a good one. It will be. This former Blue Jay holds the Brewers' single-season record for doubles with Jonathan Lucroy, 53 doubles. That's a lot. That's a lot. It is. Again, this former Blue Jay holds the Brewers' single-season record for doubles with Jonathan Lucroy, 53. You know what I think? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. What do you think, Mr. I think, think Mr. he's Barker? a stride separator. This guy. He the answer to that question. He doesn't play anymore. Oh, he was. I'm pretty sure he was. Because I think I used to make fun of him. But he had 52 doubles. So it must have worked. Why would you make fun of this guy? This guy was a really good player. Because uh, that's what you do. Is this guy was elite. Teammates. He was an elite defender. Elite, that, elite, that, elite that defender. I'll, that I'll give you. He was the best at playing off the line. Taking away the hole yeah. between. Well, I'm going to give it away. I know. Probably the best I've seen here. You know, like covering well, this team since 2000. Probably the best I've seen very, here. It's very hard to start where he started in his position. Turn your back to the play. Have enough confidence really to be able to turn it away, around we here? and catch the baseball. Yeah, but it, it is, is true. Very, it's a very, it's a very. I used to try and do that. It's very hard. 
Yeah, he's he uh, mastered it. Anyhow, uh, he's a good dude. There you go. Yeah, he but is a good dude. Strong. No, I, you know what? He was a he was a he was a really like if if he's you a solid big leader. if you list you know if you list the top ten guys you enjoyed covering as a reporter. The only tell the tell the story why that you you love him. Well, it's not that. Go ahead. He took the sub. It was a game in New York, and he and I, I, I'm sure it was some members of his family were on the subway going to Yankee Stadium, and I was in the same car. And um, did he talk to you? They just nodded. He was with his family. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm probably got headphones oh, no, in anyhow, Jeff. but I'm not gonna. Um, that's when you were not nice, Jeff. No, I just... You were trying to make your way then. You know what? You give dudes their their space. Uh, that's a good call. Just do. Yeah, you do. You know, hey, how you doing's great. Don't want to chat to you. Don't want to chat with you because I'm probably going to have to talk with you after the game or before the game. Don't want to talk to you in the bar because I'm probably going to have to talk to you before... I, anyhow. So the train arrives at, at, at the station at Yankee Stadium. And, uh, of course, the car unloads. And... um there's this 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 woman who's got a cart of uh, a lot of stuff. In a it. lot of stuff. Yeah, and she's not in a good way, and um, you know she's obviously struggling. People are just walking by her. I mean, hell, I walked by her. People are just walking by her, and she's trying to get she's trying to get around the turnstile. I anyhow, so. I just remember this vividly because you kind of brush past this person. You go on your way and you're busy and busy lives and all that. And I remember looking back and there's Overbay. Like, I damn it. <laughs> how did, how I did gave I it away. It? Yeah, you did. Anyhow. Go ahead. Finish your story. There now. is the guy who was the answer to, to our trivia question. Oh, like no one's going to get it. <laughs> uh, anyhow, there he is helping lifting the cart over while no one else is paying attention to her and helping her get over while no one else. And I just always remembered it. It just struck me as he was a very nice man. It just struck me as, you know, something, something I should have done something, the uh, 60, 70, why 80 other people. Well, why didn't the, you do it? I don't know. Cause I was, cause I was just busy. I was going to the ballpark. Oh, busy. Yeah. And you know, and I mean, you got your own thing going on. I just saw it's I've always, Get things like that that stick in your mind that I will always, always, always think of whenever this dude's name comes up. <laughs> Anyhow, like, come on, it doesn't uh, it doesn't take away from you, the trivia question. It does a little. It doesn't. Lance worked hard on it too, and it was a great trivia question. It was until you messed it up. What did you say? <laughs> if you're going to talk to Barker, tell talk that, to me. He said, "Tell that story tomorrow, <laughs> not today." <laughs> Like, oh, you know, here man. I am, and it's, I think it's a nice story. And you guys, it is. N- none of you, Boffo, Lance, you're in there. None Kevin. of you have, none of you, Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> Jen's back. None of you have said, Jeff, that is, the, you know what? That is such a heart. That's a good story. That is a good story that shows. Well, that's beside the point. That shows basic humanity in action, something we need more of on a daily basis. In our society, well, indeed, in our lives. You're talking to yourself. You were there and didn't help. So talk to yourself. Don't talk to me. Yourself. You want to know something else? <laughs> no. There was another. There was another player in the subway car. 
With him? Not with him, but he was in the car. He didn't help. I'm not the Jays? Say who it is. Yep. Not going to say who it is. Anyhow, so wh- whatever. There I, uh, who was th- his friend when I played? No, he wasn't with, like, he was in the, you know what it's like when he, he I don't know, you probably never took the, you don't strike me as a subway kind of guy. You, no, no. I used to take the subway all the time. You're, a lot of guys used to do it as well just because it was I'd rather faster. get a taxi and get, get car sick. Boy, I used to get some kind of car sick in New York. Well, yeah, it's because they don't. Holy that's cause, moly. That's because they have a rule. Wow. It's because they have a rule. I used to ask, can I sit up front? That's, no, it's because. <laughs> they would always say no. <laughs> it's a well-known fact that they have, they have a rule in New York City that cabs are not allowed to have shock absorbers. You're just That's not. awful, man. It is the worst. Oh, I used to get so sick. Holy moly. Like, Anyhow. You ever been car sick? It's awful. No, I uh, probably. In New, in New York, it's like awful times two. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty. It's it can bad. be challenging. Anyhow, so there you go. It's I, a terrible I told you story was... you just told because you ruined it. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to tell people how nice these people are. Yeah, Lyle is a. Well, I mean, no, there we, you we might, go. Now you just. Well, we might as well say his entire name. He was a very nice man, yeah. and he was a really, really, really good first baseman. Yeah, Lyle, like really good first baseman. Sorry, we ruined your. I I know we ruined You're not your sorry. Anyhow, uh, so there you go. That's that's, that's that's your you Lyle. Ruined it. That's your Lyle over base story for today, <laughs> and the answer to the question, and the answer to our <laughs> trivia question. Um, but first lo- come, a lovely first man, serve. lovely man, great teammate, and great first baseman. Anyhow, we want to talk about the uh, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Uh, I, I've talked about it a little bit in the, well, I've talked about it often in this show. We've had uh, Bob Kendrick, the president of the Negro League uh, Baseball Museum on before. And um, we we talked about it in the first hour, actually. Again, I've told people, going to Kansas City, going to watch a baseball game. First of all, it's one of my favorite road cities in the United States. It's a great secondly, place. secondly, you owe it to yourself to go to, to the Negro League Baseball never been. Museum. Uh, Bob Kendrick, uh, president of the um, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum joins us on Blair and Barker. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. Congratulations. You saw the announcement yesterday. Uh, plans for a $25 million new home in Kansas City. Uh, you've secured a million dollars for construction of the new building. Tell us a little bit about how long this has been in the works. And I also want you, because I know this is right in your wheelhouse, can you tell us a little bit about the significance of the area the the museum is 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 going to be located in yeah no yeah first of all thanks for having me on the show it's great to catch up with you guys again it's been way too long Mm -hmm. and we are super excited about the announcement that we made yesterday that we are planning to build a new negro leagues baseball museum a new thirty thousand square foot state-of-the-art facility to continue to chronicle the story of black baseball in general and the professional Negro Leagues and remain here at Historic 18th and Vine, where the museum currently operates. Historic 18th and Vine in its heyday was as recognized street cross-section, guys, as there was anywhere in the world. It was jumping. It was literally a cultural crossroads where jazz and baseball intersected. So anyone who was anyone made their way to Historic A.D. Divine, if you were here in Kansas City. But it's also the birthplace of the Negro Leagues. The leagues were formed right around the corner from where the museum now operates at the Paseo YMCA. And we've been working to save that old historic landmark and convert it into an education and research center in memory of the late great Buck O'Neill. The new facility will be built adjacent to 
the Paseo YMCA or the Buckle Neal Education and Research Center and giving us about 70,000 plus square feet wow. of space that's wow. dedicated to black baseball history and social history as the gateway into historic 18th and Vine and thus creating a Negro Leagues campus. Bob, is there something exciting that you want to put in a bigger place like this that you couldn't in a smaller place? No, I think it gives us an opportunity to dream about all the possibilities that are there, particularly for guys as we look at the use of technology, uh, virtual reality, holograms, all Mm. these things that can be profoundly interesting, particularly for young folks as we try and engage them around a history that hadn't been played in over six decades. As you both know, the Negro Leagues ended in 1960. So it's been over 60 years since the last Negro Leagues game was played, and yet the life lessons that stem from this story of triumph over adversity are as significant today as maybe ever before as we continually are trying to bridge the gap as it relates to race relations in this country. And telling that story through the eyes of those courageous athletes who overcame tremendous social adversity to play the game that they love is such a unique and engaging way to do so. Can you can you tell me why? Because you know, my understanding is, look, I, I, my understanding is that, and maybe I'm wrong, but that the museum has become more and more popular as the years have gone on, which is, which is yeah. no surprise, as I said. I've been to it. I understand why that would be. But was there a time... Bob, where it just kind of, I hate to say the, use the phrase took off, but was there, was there a time where you just noticed that the interest just, just exploded or was it been a gradual process all along? Well, it, it started off as a gradual process, but I go back guys to 2020 and even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, that struck us. You know, we were at that time planning the 100th anniversary of the birth of the Negro Leagues and had planned this Mayan, so year-long celebration that we announced in February of 2020. And then 30 days later, all heck broke loose by way of a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic that shook us and everybody else. But we've been able to bounce back in such a resilient fashion that, in my eyes, embodies the resilient spirit of the Negro Leagues. But if you recall, in December of 2020, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball made the historic announcement that they were going to recognize the Negro Leagues for what we already knew it to be, right. a major league. Mm-hmm. But this reverberated in the eyes, minds, and hearts of baseball fans worldwide. And it elevated the awareness of Negro Leagues in such a profound way. And so... Really, from that point on, we've been seeing this meteoric rise in interest. We saw our individual giving grow three, four-fold as a result of this heightened interest in the Negro Leagues. So I kind of point my finger back to December 2020. And we've been riding that wave of momentum ever since. Um. I, I was intrigued to re- reading the uh, you know seeing the news conference a bit of the news conference and 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 reading it the the, the possibility and maybe I'm making too much of this but the possibility you know I, I see John Sherman the owner of the Royals attended the news conference he was talking about and 
you know, he says, quote, I think we want to pull this history into our stadium, wherever it is. Is, is there a chance that is there a chance that that the new stadium in Kansas City, if, if it is built, would be built near the Negro Leagues Museum? Well, we certainly hope it will. Mm-hmm. That's me being very self-serving. I'll be the first mm-hmm. to admit it. And I know that there is a site near 18 Divine that is being considered, along with several other sites. So I don't know which site is ultimately going to be the choice when we move forward, and I hope sooner than later, with building a new downtown ballpark. But wherever that location might be, it is going to pull it closer to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And John and the Royals organization are tremendous partners of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Bob, what are you most excited about when it comes to you? You've been through this for since day one and now to the end of this whole process. Uh, pat yourself on the back. Tell me what you're most excited about through all this process. Well, well you know, it's so interesting that you say that. And who knew, guys, that it would be a video game (laughs) that would grow the interest in Negro Leagues at a level that we've never seen? This year, the Negro Leagues is included in the video game MLB The Show 23 for the first time. Awesome. And, y'all, I can't even begin to tell you how this has impacted this museum as a generation of young folks and young adults are being introduced to the Negro Leagues in this video game. And and as I was joking yesterday, my cool level has risen considerably <laughs> now that I'm in the video game. So I'm narrating throughout the video game, sharing stories throughout the video game. And these kids are engaging with this history in a unique and entertaining fashion. So experiential learning, I think, is the most effective way to learn. And so when you're being entertained and you're learning at the same time, I've had educators reach out to me and say they're going to incorporate the video game into their classroom experiences because there's so much history included in this mode that features the Negro Leagues. And I'll be honest, that's one of the things I'm absolutely most proudest of, and the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. And so we've got a five-year deal with Sony PlayStation to include Negro League players in the video game MLB The Show. So the eight players that we introduced uh, here about a month or so ago, that's just the beginning. And the reaction has been amazing. They're not only falling in love with the players, but they're falling in love with the stories that are being shared about these players inside this video game. Uh, It is going to cost $25 million. Bank of America has got the ball rolling, so to speak, with with a million dollars. (laughs) <laughs> um, do you have any idea, uh, Bob, when, like, when you would be, when, when this might open uh, do you have in your, in your, where the new museum, when the new museum might open, do you have a date in mind or, or is that, I, I, I don't have a specific date in mind and they have to kind of reel me back in cause you know, I am the over optimistic being when it comes to these mm-hmm. kinds of things. I think we're going to raise this money in a, you know, in a, in a quick time frame and, and break ground and start construction. Uh, realistically, I think we're talking 27, 28. But man, you know, we're playing host to the World Cup here in 26. Right. And it sure would be special to have the world come to a brand new Negro Leagues Baseball Museum when that soccer spectacular comes to Kansas City. Now, I know that that might be a bit unrealistic, but 
it gives us a, a target, a moving target to go after and, and hopefully raise this money, the initial phase of this money, in as timely a fashion as we possibly can. We know that we got our work cut out for us. This is it's a bold and daring and exciting time. It's a daunting task, but we feel like we're up to the challenge. We've never shied away from a challenge. And, and I think had they shied away from a challenge in 1990, Jeff, when we were inside a one-room office at that time with the notion of creating a Negro League Baseball Museum, and everyone said, you're crazy. It will never work. And it certainly will never work at Historic 18th and Vine. And here we are now, 33 years later, recognized as America's National Negro League Baseball Museum. Bob, listen. So that's where you got to dare to dream. Yeah, absolutely. Bob, listen, it's always great to hear your voice. Great to talk oh, to you. Great. Glad you're keeping well again. Congratulations on this. Uh, thanks you know, for all you best do, Best of luck. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Thanks for all you do, and be well. Thanks, Bob. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. That is Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And uh, they've got plans for a $25 million new home in Kansas City, the historic 18th and Vine District, which is a... a a cool, it's a cool area of the city. And and that is, I'd forgotten about that. Now, 2026, Kansas City has been chosen as one of the host cities for the World Cup of soccer mm-hmm. when it comes to North America. That would be, that would be something if they could get it done by then. But either way. Um, it's and, just cool. Jeff, like that's a cool thing. And to have Bob doing it, the way he can sell and, it and... The and way he talks is pretty cool. Too. Our Lance Kennedy just told us he's playing that that game right now and says it's it's something it's else. Good. And Bob narrates. That's awesome. You you learn about the history of the players oh, while you're great. playing it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's and I, I mean Bob's such a oh God. He's such a gentleman. It's such he's such an interesting guy. He's a great story to, storyteller um, too. It's I've shared cool. a shared a stage with him at a baseball function one time, and of course there's a real history. Canada kind of has a special a special place when it comes to the Negro Leagues. First of all, because Jackie Robinson played for the Montreal Royals, but also, and I'm not going to go through the whole story. A lot of people know it, but one of the 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 I guess the unforeseen consequences of the color barrier being broken in baseball was that the Negro Leagues eventually withered and died, mm-hmm. and a lot of the players who weren't good enough to play in the major leagues ended up playing in semi-pro leagues. And there was a just a, a huge semi-pro league in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. And a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys ended up playing in places like Carmen, Manitoba, Brandon, Manitoba. I mean, Minot, North Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, uh, Alberta. I think Vulcan, Alberta may have had a team. I know Pat Gillick played in the league. I mean, there's just... So it's... Uh, Canada's always had kind of a special place in Bob Kendrick's hearts and and heart. And again, if you are if you are planning a baseball road trip, because I know a lot of people in the yep. summer they like to get the kids together and go on a baseball road trip, even if the Jays aren't playing there. All in all seriousness, go to a game in Kansas City. Be prepared for two things: one, the food at the ballpark is going to be out of this world. Barbecue, oh, it's going to be out of this uh-huh. world. Secondly, it's going to be hotter than hell. <laughs> Yeah. At the ballpark, because no it question. is Kansas City. Yeah. But third, if you do it, absolutely make plans to go to the Negro Leagues Baseball uh, Museum. And you know what? Let them know you're from Canada when you go there. And uh, you may end up, who knows, you may end up getting a personal tour oh, of the place. Oh, how cool would that be And if Bob uh, was there? Yeah, it will be uh, It will be uh, something. And again, we're really happy for them. And, uh, no and, and, and congratulations to Bob and the folks at the Negro mm-hmm. League Museum. And uh, let's get it done as soon as it possibly can get done.
folks. The Jays and the Red Sox will continue their four-game series tonight with the third game at Fenway Park. Darnell McDonald is a Red Sox analyst with Nesson, former MLB outfielder, former teammate of Kevin Barkas. Everybody in baseball is a former teammate of Kevin Barkas. I get it. But Darnell McDonald will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down everything in Leafsland better than anyone. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. First pitch will be at 7-10 tonight. And, uh... At some point, probably around 7.30 or so, I guess, Alec Manoa will face Alex Verdugo, right? Are you making a little too much out of this? I'm, I'm, you're trying. No, you're trying. I'm not making oh, too much out of this. Oh, you're trying. No, I thought it was done. And then, they've, and then, already, and then, they've already kissed and made up. And then I like. read that, uh, that, that Alex Verdugo basically. Gonna, I don't know. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. You felt bad about saying it. Like I said, it, Alec Manoa's got he's got one Verdugo thing. Verdugo sounds like a good guy. He, he does sound like a good guy. Alec Manoa's got one thing to do tonight. Throw his slider better. Throw his slider better. <laughs> That's right. Get as close to seven innings as he possibly uh, can and, and and help kind That's of it. straighten things out on the bullpen. No Look, uh, I, I both Kevin and I, I mean, I'm going to admit this. Uh, I looked at the AL East this year. I said the Boston Red Sox are going to finish last. I didn't look past the pitching. I didn't really look at the lineup. Didn't do a deep dive well, we into at it. Devers, obviously. Devers is very else. good. And uh, boy, I, early in the year and everything, but man, oh man, have my eyes been opened no in the first two games of this series by the, not just the Red Sox lineup, but their approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing now why we talked to Rob Bradford and he said, Hey, this, this, this lineup, you know, they jump on people. They knock starting pitchers out early. I'm rolling my eyes thinking, okay, that's the case. But boy, oh boy, they're much better, better than uh, than I thought they'd be. Uh, Darnell McDonald is a former Major League outfielder. He is currently Red Sox analyst with Nesson. As I said, a teammate of Kevin Barker's on the Cincinnati Reds. And we're very pleased to have Darnell McDonald join us. Darnell, thanks so much for joining uh, your former teammate and myself. <laughs> we, we, we trust that you're doing well. <laughs> Man, that's my that's my cleanup hitter. <laughs> I heard it, when I heard when I heard KB, I'm like, man, I'm in. <laughs> that was the minor leagues. That's my cleanup hitter. It was yeah. in the minor leagues. That was a lot of fun. The big leagues, I never got a chance to do that. Right? I was the guy. I was the 26 man, as you well know. And they only had 25 men on the roster. 25 back then. guys. <laughs> so we, we both did. We both been there. Yeah, that's know? it. Uh, Darnell, that's what made Louisville so fun. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We were good there, though, for sure. Uh, Darnell, thank. I, I want to know why you. I'm sorry. No, I'll go ahead. No, no, go I, ahead. We haven't, we haven't seen each other for. Well, I don't know when. The, I, I've talked to KB last, and I'm, I'm so I'm looking up. 2010. Know, like, what's my guy doing? Yeah. And I want to know why. How come we had three stolen bases? <laughs> Because I, because I was five tools. I appreciate that. You're, I think you're a better friend than, than, than being realistic. Go. That was That's funny. Was Louisville where you sold your car and you, you because you were slumping? No, no, that was that was double A. Oh, that was double that A. Was okay. Double a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you do what you have to do when you're struggling. Yeah, absolutely. I, think I got three hits right. the next day. 
but it worked. It takes what it takes. Yeah. Uh, Darnell, are you are you surprised from what, at at what you've seen from this Red Sox this Red Sox lineup so far this year? I am. Um, yes, I am. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I, I am surprised. Um, and the, the, to think that Duvall and Story aren't even yeah. in there right now. Exactly. The lineup gets even. It gets even deeper with Duvall and Story. Like I haven't seen Story, you know. But Duvall, what he was doing and his approach. Wow. Man, just to think of what that what that's going to look like. Well, I have heard that Verdugo has lost twenty pounds. Now, I don't know if twenty pounds makes you hit three seventeen or not, but he does look really good at the plate. He looks aggressive on strikes. Have you seen a big difference from last year to this year, or is it he just gotten off to a hot start? Yes, definitely. Uh, Verdugo's coming to into his own. Um, really, a spark at the top of the lineup. And, you know, not only, you know, his approach, but watching him run the bases, how he's playing defense, um, you know, he's definitely feeling good, feeling good about himself, but he's leading, he's leading the, rest of the, the rest of the group. And I, I feel like it's, uh, it's like vintage Red Sox baseball. You know, Darnell, when you get a chance to see Rafael Devers on a daily basis, uh, you know, we see him obviously when they play the Jays. We catch him on TV a little bit. We've seen a lot of Devers. But mm-hmm. when you see him on a daily basis, is, is there something that, that maybe those of us who don't see him on a daily basis don't realize about him? Hmm. Well, he's, uh, there's, I play with a few guys that, you know, obviously they're really good. There's, there's that smile. That mm-hmm. when you're playing, I mean, how can you not like this kid? How can you not love him? Um, the thing that, that is, is really crazy is that you see how good he is, and there's still, there's still some development left in there if you want to, you know. This guy is, uh, he can hit anything. I call him the left-handed Vladimir Guerrero. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can, he can hit bad pitches, and he can hit them a long ways. And you know you can imagine, you know, if it, I don't, you know, if it, the, that when I talk about the development of, you know, say say, Ralphie had a, a Justin Turner approach, and really, you know, when I say Justin Turner approach, like narrowing that scope down, narrowing the scope, and um, you know, imagine it. I'm like, he might hit 70 home runs. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But his aggressiveness is something that really he's aggressive. It works for him. I love, um, you know, when he when he's not going well, he's not being aggressive. So, I don't, you know, you don't want to take that away from him. Um, you know, one of the other things that stands out for me is his defense. Wow. You, you mentioned really, John- really – yeah, he's really good. I, I did. I did see him. The the elevated fastball last night s- seems to give him trouble, right? He's everybody's got their kryptonite. Mike Trout has the elevated up and in thing. You try and go there. If you miss, it's a very small little box, right? You got to throw to that to get him out. Devers seems like that guy that really don't like the elevated fastball. Is that a Darnell? Is that an adjustment that he can make to make it a little easier? Okay, I'm saying occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I, I know he can cover a lot of things, but occasionally you got to get to head out and cheat, 
pull that foul and just sort of say without saying it, I can make an adjustment, right? I can, I can hit that hard, don't throw it there again. Do you see that anymore? We Am I picking too much at it? No, and I think, I mean, that's that. Someone once told me, you keep swinging at that pitch, you're, you're going to be out of the game. Yep. Um, yeah, that that elevated fastball is, I think, that that's everyone's kryptonite. Um, I've seen, you know, like Dustin Madrid, he was a bad ball hitter also. And some good hitters, they're like they can hit anything. And, um, you know, Rafi is one of those guys. I wouldn't bet against him. But when we narrow that scope down, and, you know, there's more, that's where the power, more power comes. And unfortunately, like the gift and the curse for him is that he can hit balls off the plate, up, down, and he can hit them a long ways. So um, I, I think um, he has the, the – he continues to mature, continues to learn um, about himself. I think that's the, the next step for him. Speaking of next steps, tomorrow we're going to see Brian Bayo against uh, against Kevin Gossman. Um, this is a guy that a lot of people have been talking about. A lot of people in the Red Sox organization, people around people around baseball. Pedro's taken. Pedro Martinez has taken an interest in him. What's the next step for him, Darnell? In your mind, mm, the next step for Bayo is um, you know developing, continuing to develop his slider. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a he has a really good change up. Um, uh, him and um, everyone else that fastball, that fastball, the fastball can be a couple. It can be two pitches. It can be two, three, or four pitches. What I mean by that is, you know, like KB just said, that fastball up. That you know, that's a that's a pitch. When you learn to when you learn to throw that that pitch, when you learn to throw, you know, you're able to command your fastball. You get strike one. When he um, that third pitch, when he, when he really gets comfortable with that third pitch, being able to throw it oh oh, then throw the wipeout um, slider with the changeup, you know he's going to be an ace in the staff for a long time. Darnell, let me ask you: 2018, Chris Sale had an ERA of 2.11. He threw 158 innings. Think we'll ever see that Chris Sale again? I would say I don't. I don't think it's impossible. I think. Um, I mean, you've seen how the game is now, man. It's a different model, and um, you know, they want. If you go five innings and you blow it out for five innings, um, that's okay. I, you know, I don't think it's that he he couldn't do it. I think he. If anyone could do it, he can. Um, the guy has a, a rubber arm. He has a gift. Throwing the baseball and the the thing that he's still able to do what he's doing now. You know what I mean by that? The last last start. I mean, I think it was sixth inning. He reached back and and grabbed 98. So, yeah, it's still in there. Um, I hope he does it. I hope to see it. I think he'll do it. Darnell, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. I mean, great catching up. Great letting you and Barker catch up here. Thanks, man. Have a good season, buddy. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. You guys keep up the good work, man. All righty. Take care. Mr. Darnell McDonald, Red Sox analyst with Nesson, former MLB outfielder. So you guys were in 
The minor leagues. The Reds, so, right? AAA with the Reds, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think he got called up a little bit before I did. Uh, he was in the big leagues a little bit longer than I was. He was the Red Sox a little bit longer. He's a fast dude, big, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a pretty good outfielder. He's a decent hitter. He had some power. Uh, yeah, he was a he was just a solid player, right? He, I don't think he stood out in any really, you know, he wasn't the fastest of guys. He wasn't the slowest of okay. guys. Like he was in the middle. He could run the bases. I well. like that he, he looked steal up you a base when he needed to. I like that he looked up your stats and he was surprised uh, at the stolen yeah, bases, yeah, man. That's him. That's him. He, he would. Yeah, he's. I think he's more cracking jokes at that than anything. He knew why I didn't because I was taking big daddy hacks. I wouldn't try to steal no bases, right? That's his job. Get on base, steal second, I'll drive you in. That was my job. That's why I cleaned up. So who else is on that team? Because the Reds had some interesting uh, Paul players. Paul Giannis was on that yeah, team. Yeah, that's right. We had Giannis on. Jay that's Bruce right. was on that team. Jay Bruce? Yeah, there was some. There was some. I think Jay Bruce might have hit like 380 or something. <sighs> Jay Bruce. Do you know how many times Jay Bruce was rumored coming to the Blue Jays? Yeah. In trades was, and, and stuff? Yeah. I think it's better off he didn't. Yeah. He was, he was a lot better as a red. Then the shift, I think, sort of started to kill him, and the elevated fastball didn't help. And Yeah, I mean, he had a really good career. He made some decent money, which is all you need to know. All right, we've uh, activated the back leg line. Oh, nice. We've activated it. Good. Mm. I got a little button here that I push. Oh, and nice. Yeah, yeah. Back leave, leg. It, leave it to you. The back leg line is 416 413 Three nine five nine. I just did that. To well, screw if you have you. to squint with your glasses on, yeah, maybe you have the wrong glasses. No, I no. just I just did that to mess with uh, you. I just did that to mess with you. Mm. Uh, the back leg line is open. It is your chance to uh, criticize, question, cajole, Jeff, Jeff. Kevin Barker. <laughs> it's I'll all about it. Barker. Uh, yeah, every once in a while. Again, it's Barker's version of Twitter. So it's your Absolutely only it's your only not. chance to talk to him. Unless you call us in Blue Jays talk. Speaking of which, we'll be doing Blue Jays talk tonight immediately following the Blue Jays game on Sportsnet 590, the fan and the Sportsnet radio network. Uh, hey, you know who we haven't heard from for a while? Who? I don't even have to introduce this guy. Just play the clip. Nate Pearson. Now, <laughs> I'm a big believer in baptism by fire. If this guy's good enough, then we want to see this guy in situations where he can prove himself Put him in those high-leverage situations. Let's see what he has. The guy's been around for a while. I'd hate to see them do what they did to um, Aaron Sanchez and, you know, play around with this guy until next thing you know, you know, he's worth nothing. He's all over the place now. Put him in, man. Let me see what he has. Clifton and Etobicoke. I didn't even need to introduce. I want you to save that clip. We're just going to play it. We'll, we'll play it. That'll be a drop. Put him in, man. I'm with Clifton on this. I, I, after I, after what I've seen, I, what the hell? Why not? I think they have sink already. or swim, baby. I think they're going to already. I, I think I, they. I think they're not not going to. I think they. I, I think it's two things. I don't think they have a choice. <laughs> That's a good point. I, yeah. And I, and I think him throwing a hundred and throwing more strikes. What he throw? Twenty nine pitches. He threw twenty strikes. Yeah. Like. I'm I'm with Joe. I'm not sure I like the curveball. I don't know what that does or the slider, but the hundred that plays. If, if keep well, throwing that, just don't throw it down the middle. He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think I I just think I, I just think the combination with the curve. You know, I don't want him to abuse the curve. Just you know what that throw game, it enough that that game against um, the Chicago White Sox. That was how it use your curve. Throw it twice in an inning. Mm. Use it one time. You got Ben and Tindy out. That's a perfect time. 
Use it one or two times. Get it up there as fast as you can. Slider, I mean, if you if, if I've got a choice between him throwing a slider and a curve, I'd rather him throw the curve because I think it's a little more, that's a little that's a different look than you're going to get from a lot of from a lot of leverage relievers. Mm. But yeah, I'm with you, man. I think he uh, he's going to get a, he's going to get. I, I don't know if he'll get a ninth inning. I don't think we're there yet. But I can see them maybe running him out, especially given what we've seen of the bullpen. I can see him getting an eighth inning, maybe in a close I, game. I, I, Absolutely, you can, you, can lose, I can. you can lose the game in the sixth inning with two outs. Why, why, why are you throwing an inning on it? Like, yeah, if, if he comes in and gives you the last out of the sixth inning, then pitch the I, the seventh inning. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I, I guess what Why I'm saying is I, I can see him being used in a, in a game against a decent team where it kind of matters a little for, more. For first and second facing a really good right-handed hitter to end an inning. What's wrong with that? And then coming back and pitching the next inning. Yeah, the the ability to so don't give it an inning. The ability to sit down and get up again is is the definition of high leverage can be used in many different ways. Doesn't have to be the eighth and the ninth inning. And the ninth inning's a different animal. I mean, let's not lie about it. It is. So let's not get crazy here, okay? Don't but get I, crazy. But I think you'd you'd have to admit that the gloves are off with this guy, and he he can kind of. He can kind of go where he wants to go with this. Put you down for front runner. No, I'm Boy, not a front runner. He no, else. he can go. I, I, no, listen, it's not. They have no choice, Kevin. I already said. Yeah, that. I mean, they they, they, don't. they have they no. Don't. We have They're no. We have no. Cho- working. No, we have no choice but to be a front runner with him. Just because we have no choice but to hope that Chad Green contributes because. They're not going to be able to overhaul the bullpen in season. They're not going to be able to add four new arms. Just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And at some point, starting pitching, you know, you're not going to get six or six. We've already seen it. You're not getting those. The starts now, they're, you're, you're playing good teams. All of a sudden, that six-inning start, that's five and a thirds, right? That six and two-thirds I, inning start, that's five and two-thirds. Like, I like it that they have told Nate, earn it. Every time we give you the ball, earn it. Mm. Go out and put up a, a, a scoreless inning, and you will go to a, another higher level the next time we give you the ball. I like that. It's They're not giving him anything. Nope. Those days of Nate Pearson being handed a big league spot are over. He's earning it. Good for him. Yeah, I, listen, I'm I'm completely... I'm completely with you uh, on that, and I keep should be. I keep getting back to this though that, uh, and I know that he didn't stay in winter ball for a long time, but the fact that he was just willing to go down there, I think, was uh, an indication that he realized that the rubber hit the road. Maybe the first time in his career, you got the sense that he understood the urgency that, of the situation. I think that was strongly pushed by the organization yeah. to go there. But I'm saying he uh, that I, we, the light bulb went on. This a, is urgent. Yeah, I guess this is urgent. There you go. Four one six four one three three nine five nine is the back leg line. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, again we'll we'll be going to the back leg line on a on a, on a regular uh, a regular basis. A reminder: seven ten tonight. Tomorrow's game is a six ten uh, six ten first pitch. Nice. And then the Jays go on to Pittsburgh. The uh, Pirates. And the Rays, the biggest series over. of the baseball you gotta, season. You got to pitch good. Got to get a timely hit. Got to play good defense. Got to run the bases the way you're supposed to. I mean, the schedule's no joke. Pirates lost 
for what Kevin the Razor. A really good team. Yeah. They do a lot of things good. They hit tons of homers. That tons of homers. Now, will that work in the playoffs? Yeah, who knows? But it's going to that, to that'll play in the regular season. That's how you beat good teams is you out homer them. And that's what they're doing. And you can't argue that, right? They've they've gotten some dudes that are doing some things that probably they weren't expecting to do it, which is what you need to do on a good team. You need to have a surprise. Talk about that with the Blue Jays all the time. Who's going to be the surprise? Yeah. No, they've uh, – I mean, I keep saying at some point they're going to hit the skids because at some point everybody hits the skids. Winning's contagious. Win- win- winning is a habit too. You just show up to the yard when you're on a good team. You expect to win. It's a habit. We're not going to lose today. We're going to score first. Our starting pitching is really good. They're going to turn it over to the pin in the third inning. Yep. <laughs> Larry in Pender Island, British uh, Columbia. Go ahead. I love your show. Nice. Uh, when I see Belt come to the plate, uh, am I seeing Belt or Bradley Zimmer? <laughs> because I can't tell. Second thing, what are the chances of Matt Chapman being a Blue Jay next season? Thank you. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I don't know about you, Jeff, but I'm gonna say not great. I I think I'm listen, gonna say not great. Yeah, I'm with you. Question. You know, we we have the the whole Matt Chapman talk. I'm I, gonna say I, not great. Yeah, I'm gonna say not great. I'm with you. I'm gonna say whatever chances of of him signing an extension kind of disappeared with the with this start, and you nailed it. Absolutely. Do I he, now? He's I, not taking a home. He's not taking no, a discount. But I will say no, this. I, I will say this. No. Will he and Scott Boris go back to the Jays with the best offer and see if the Jays will match it? I think they will at least do that. I don't think the Jays will do that, but I think the relationship is such that the Jays will get a chance to pony up if they want. They're not gonna. I mean, I, I just and I don't know if I would. I, I I don't know if I would. We've we talked if you're about the Blue Jays. It. Depends what he wants. Seven years, you know. It, yeah, there's no chance I'm giving him 150 plus million dollars. I'm sorry, I ain't. It ain't happening. He's going to take more than that. I, the seven-year contract. I said yeah. plus. <laughs> I said plus. I mean, if you look at the that's a, that's if you the, look uh, at the length of deals that were signed, this I mean, he's not signing three years someplace. No, he's not signing three years someplace. His agent as, won't let him do that. As for Brandon Belt and Bradley Zimmer, I mean, <laughs> I will say this: my confidence level in Brandon Belt getting a hit is only slightly better than my confidence level in Bradley Zimmer getting a hit. And my confidence level in Bradley Zimmer getting a hit last year was. You think Bell to play today? Minuscule. I mean, I thought he. He's getting two more righties the next two days. Should have played, played yesterday. Shouldn't he have played yesterday? No, I know oh, that dude. Oh, no, that, no, no, I know no, that after, dude. After, after he was pitching. No, no, no. After he was pitched. Well, I'm saying. No, but I'm saying. He ain't playing the I'm saying when you, when you brought this guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying. When you brought this guy in they and signed him. up to start the season, but he didn't do that either. When you brought this guy in and signed him, I, I don't think you brought this guy in and said, ah, but you know what? We're going to sit him against guys like Tanner Howe. Interesting Hulk. see. They'll, t- they'll tell you a little today what they think of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the uh, – I mean, a lot depends. Manoa's pitching, so Kirk's going to be behind the plate, possibly. Possibly he gets it. Anyhow, that's it for us today. Barker and myself are doing Blue Jays talk after the game. We'll be back here tomorrow. Same time, same spot. Sportsnet 590, the fans. Sportsnet 360, 10 to noon Eastern. If you're listening to us via podcast, say nice things about Barker. It makes him feel good. 
And that's what this whole gig is about, is about making Barker feel good. Have a great day, everybody.